Last week we began talking about God is in control. Uh, if I had to narrow the book of Esther down to one theme or idea, that's what it would be, that God is in control. And if you've read the entire book, I think you would agree with me on that. God is in control. That's the overarching theme because you watch that the book of Esther is, is God's hand moving through a, uh, a series of circumstances that he is actually in control of. Now, the characters and the players all think they're in control, right? But God is in control. Now, that's just as true today as it was then, isn't it? Sometimes we have to be careful, even as believers, to think that what maybe we are the ones that are in control. Now, it's an interesting topic in some sense because we do affect a consequence, good or bad, all right? Uh, there's the sovereign will of God, and there's the permissive will of God. We operate in the permissive will of God. The sovereign will of God means God has a plan, and that plan is going to be accomplished. Would you agree with that? We call that the sovereign will of God. The permissive will of God, does anybody know what the permissive will of God is? It's where God says, under the boundaries of His sovereign will, He has allowed us to make choices. Think of it like this. This represents a sovereign will of God, okay? That's the sovereign will. God knows the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega, all right? Uh, and so, let's say this is His sovereign plan for humanity. That means it's going to happen. Here's the, you know, one day this earth will pass away and all things will be transformed and made new again and that sort of thing. So the sovereign will of God is moving to that place. It's going to happen. But within that, He's given you a permissive will. So you make choices. Now, your choices affect you, but they don't prevent the sovereign plan of God from being carried out. Does that make sense? So why would God allow you to be involved if your choices aren't going to stop his plan. So why would he even let you be involved in it? Yeah, yeah, but that's, I understand that. That's that man plans his way, but God directs his steps. But man, he still has given us a choice. What's that? All right. Remember, we are created for His glory. But we're not puppets. See, if you're married, you don't want your husband and wife to say to you, I'm married to you, but I, only because I was made to marry you. Right? What you want them to say is, I married you because... I wanted to marry you. I married you because I love you. All right? Right? In other words, I made a choice relationally. 
So why does God let us why does God let us make choices when ultimately his plan is going to succeed anyway? You know the story of Billy Graham and Charles Templeton, right? Charles Templeton was uh, Billy's friend and he he gave up the faith. Billy Graham said early in his ministry he said Charles Templeton was the guy that should have been doing what Billy Graham was doing. But so he made a choice, and God let him live with that choice, but it didn't stop what God was doing. All right, so, and in the book of Esther, do you remember that Mordecai tells Esther, that Esther, if you don't go in and do this, that God will just raise up deliverance from some other place. You remember that line? Have you ever thought about that? You know what God's saying? God's got a sovereign plan. He's going to deliver uh, Israel. But he's put you in this place for such a time as this. But if you don't choose to live out the purpose of God for your life, God's not going to say, what am I going to do? Esther, Esther refused. He says, Mordecai didn't even know where he'd come from. He just said, but God will raise up deliverance from some other place. In other words, God, here, okay, here's the reason. This is for us. Sovereign will, uh, uh, the, the, the purpose of God is going to happen. The permissive will, what it does is it lets us be in on something of an eternal scope. It lets us be a part of what God is doing. Does that make sense? Which is a privilege. It's a privilege for you and I. <clears throat> I'm mentoring a young man well he's in his 40s but i'm in my 60s now so that seems young i'm mentoring a young man and today in our conversation i made the statement to him i said you know it is an amazing thing and god has opened up some ministry doors for him and i talked to him about that i said what whatever you do spend time with god don't just try to don't just, I talked about son, don't be a spiritual technician. I said, and then I said this, it is ama an amazing thing that God would let any of us be a part of his plans. And I, I, I told him, I said, I was talking to the Lord yesterday in my time with the Lord, and I said, Lord, I, I I still can't, um, I can't believe that you would take me from where you took me and allow me to be a mouthpiece for you. I, I'm, I'm amazed at that. Why would do that? I still, I hadn't got over that. Why would you do that, Lord? You would put me in a place where I could declare your word. I could be your mouthpiece. You say, well, he hasn't done that for me. Yes, he has. If you were saved, he wants you in on his purpose. He may have, he's got me here, he's got you here. It is an amazing thing that God would save us first. Do y'all, you know, that may, I'm reading a book on miracles right now. The greatest miracle of all is salvation. And then it is a miracle when we, we, are, we allow God to do in us what He wants to do. 
And so, does that make sense about the sovereign will? So, our permissive will, it doesn't affect the plans of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When you don't do or live out the purpose for which you were created, God in heaven doesn't go, I don't know what we're going to do now. How are we going to accomplish this? But God says you're going to get to live with the consequences of your choice. And you're going to miss out on seeing the power of God displayed through your life in whatever area, whatever way God wants to do that. So this is an act of love. The permissive will of God is an act of love. I, I love you. I created you. I love you. I love you. And I, I love you so much, I have designed you in a certain way, and I've designed you for a purpose, and there's the greatest fulfillment of your life is in that purpose. The greatest fulfillment. So Esther, if you don't do it, God's going to raise somebody else up to do it. It is your place and privilege to serve God. When you leave here, now look, if you forget everything else I say, if you walk out of here and forget everything I've said tonight, remember this. That it is the greatest privilege of life to be used by God. And you say, well, how do I get... You just surrender. It is really that, that really is the, the mechanism. I surrender, God. I, I surrender all that I am to all that you are. And it's the greatest privilege. And guess what? We're created for His glory. I shared a passage Sunday from Isaiah that says we were created for His glory. But listen, you want to you bring glory to Him? Surrender to the purpose for which He's created you. You say, I don't know what it is. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Start with surrender. And then watch how God will work. And by the way, you're, you may glorify Him in something very small. Y'all ever see the rock? Y'all seen the rock wall? You probably, it's, you don't even think about it now, in the Welcome Center, and it has the waterfall and everything. If you can read the etch words, I had a scripture put on there, and it says that when your children see these stones and ask, what are these stones? You will tell them, about the miracle of God. This is when God did this. That's what these stones are all about. All right, now, <clears throat> listen to this. I, I, I've often thought, I love that passage. When you tell your children, these stones are a reminder of what God did. You've never been this way before. God did something miraculous. And so when you see them, you know, God, if God tarries, I want the generation to come up. I want them to walk up and say, what is that wall about? What's that waterfall thing about? Hopefully somebody will be able to remember and say, oh, that's a testimony to all the lives that God changed through this, this ministry. Uh, that's a testimony to what God did in this place. Uh, and, and I want, but now here's why I'm telling you that story. Have you ever thought, since God is creator, that even those rocks, can you think about those rocks? They're there somewhere. They're still there. Rocks don't 
<laughs> they don't disintegrate. They may change, but they, they last. Those rocks are still out there somewhere. Somebody may have knocked this thing all down, but those rocks are still there. Have you ever thought this? That God created the rocks to bring glory to Him. So when Israel saw the rocks, their generation, see, what are those rocks all about? Oh, <laughs> those rocks. Think about that. I don't know. I, 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 rocks are inanimate. So I know rocks aren't talking unless you're watching a cartoon. Okay, I know that. So I'm not losing my mind. But maybe some way they, create, they communicate back with their creator. Have you ever thought, and God says, I've created you for this. This is why you exist, Mr. Rock. This is why you exist, Mr. Rock. Now, there's something to it. Jesus said, if they don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. <clears throat> we give a, an award away to staff that have gone above and beyond. the extra. We call it the extra mile. We used to call it the Ebenezer Award. We give it away when our big staff gathers together. And it's for our support staff. It's not for our ministry staff. Ministry staff cannot, uh, cannot receive it. It is to affirm our support staff, our clerical, and our maintenance and all that. And we call it the extra mile, people that have gone the extra mile in the month. When I first came here, I, I called it the Ebenezer Award. And I'm not talking about Ebenezer Scrooge. But do you know why I called it the Ebenezer Award? Does anybody know that passage? Ebenezer means the stone of my help. And in the Old Testament, it's, you, it, it talks about putting the Ebenezer, raising the Ebenezer. In fact, we have a song, an old hymn, say, Here I raise my Ebenezer. And it was a reflection, it was to be a memorial to God. The stone of my help. And, and, and so, listen, listen, that's a lot about stones. But do you realize all of creation was created for the glory of God? The birds sing songs, I'm fully convinced, back to God. There was a witch doctor in a remote tribe years ago when missionaries, our missionaries made contact with this tribe and when they finally learned how to communicate language-wise with this tribe, there was a witch doctor, and he kind of, he kind of was ahead of the, of the tribe, and he was the medicine man and all of these kinds of things. And um, when they began to, long and short, he came to know Christ. And by the way, if you ever worry about people in remote areas that have never heard the gospel, listen to what Listen to what this tribal leader said. When he was told that his name was Jesus, that Jesus was, was God, he said, oh, we always knew he existed, we just didn't know his name. But this witch doctor said, he said, but we used to hate when the birds sang, because he was, I guess you want to say, kind of like a Dr. Doolittle, he said, because they were singing praises 
to this God. I believe that. I mean, if we could, Dr. Doolittle, we'd probably say, oh, that's a praise song from the birds. I mean, you don't hear birds saying, you know, chirp, 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 chirp. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, have y'all seen a depressed bird lately? Anybody? No, because all things were created for God and for his glory. So, look, the permissive will is God saying, I'm letting you be, I'm letting you be in on my this vast plan that I have. And by the way, when you choose to be in on the plan and the purpose for which God created you, listen to this. Then your choices help advance the kingdom. Because God let He uses you to be a part of this big plan. Am I making sense? That's an incredible thing. Don't y'all think that's an incredible thing? Isn't that incredible? So God would, when I told this, this younger man, I said, it's just incredible. I, can, I never got over the fact that God said, I will use you. I still hadn't. He would let me be a mouthpiece. Somebody reminded me one time, yeah, he spoke to a jackass too in the Old Testament. But it's an incredible thing. All right. So the theme of this book is that God is in control. Now, we use another word to describe that. We use providence. We say it was the providence of God. Somebody tell me what, the pro what providence is. I've already told you the answer. <laughs> God's in control. <laughs> That's what providence is, that God is in control. We sometimes say that was providential. If you go back and look at the founding of our nation, if you study history that has been ripped out of the history books, if you study real history, you go back and guess what you'll learn about? The providence of God in the formation of this nation. Okay, We say it was providential. When we say something was providential, we're saying that God... God intended that, all right? So, we're going to look at a lot of providence here, not tonight, obviously. But we're going to look at a lot of providence. Somebody grab for me Jeremiah 1.5, and somebody get Acts 17.26, okay? And I'm going to have you read it, so I want you to know that. If you don't want to read it, don't get it. But get Jeremiah 1.5 and Acts 17.26, and I'll come back to those in just a mo moment. But I want to, before, before we look at any passages, I want to ask a follow-up. This, to, to, uh, this was to clarify. Okay? What I want to do now is I want you to think with providence in mind. I want you to think about how does providence, what does that mean for your life personally? What does providence mean for you personally let me let me ask you another question before you answer that one do you believe that covid is providential do you 
Alan? Yes. There is a sense in which all things are providential. Or God is not in control. Right? Now, some providence of God is good. And some of His providential control allows for evil. We sometimes, you know the Bible says the just suffer with the unjust. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, I, I, I didn't talk about this Sunday. I just mentioned it in passing, but chapter 32 of Exodus, the last, remember chapter 32 is about the re rebellion and about the idols, the idol, the golden calf. God was angry. Moses asked him, God, would you stay your anger? God said yes, but the last verse of chapter 32, before you lead into the first verse of chapter 33 says, after God had said, I will restrain myself, it says this, but God sent a plague because of the golden calf. Still were consequences. There still were consequences. Well, I'm asked sometimes, do I think this stuff is a plague? My answer is yes, I do. It fits every description of a plague. We've had plagues through history. Is it a plague? Yes, it's a plague. And the just suffer with the unjust. That's why Christians aren't exempt from it. We don't get a pass because we live in a fallen world that is characterized by disease and sickness and even death. Um, and so, is it? Yeah, it's providential because it's under the control of God. It may be a plague directly from Him. It may be a plague allowed by Him. There are some, by the way, uh, who have suggested, Dr. Tony Evans, Dr. R.T. Kendall, who's just made uh, uh, outright stated um, that it is the judgment of God on idolatry. Well, that would fit with Exodus 32, wouldn't it? So, is it providential? The answer is, it is providential because God has allowed it. And if God didn't allow it, would that be providential? Yes, because God's in control. So what does that mean for your life? What does providence mean for your life? Anybody? Oh, I've, I've got it. I've got, yeah. yeah. No matter what you're dealing with, God's saying, I got this. I got this. Okay, that's very good. Providence for your life means you are not exempt, though providence might cause God to exempt you from something. But in either case or whatever, God's got this. Right? God has got this. 
That's what it means for y'all. That's a good way. That's a good way to think of it. I, I got this. What else does it mean for your life? Okay, it, things feel random, right? But nothing is random to God. Adrian Rogers used to have this great statement. I love it. He, he used to say this. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God? There's a lot of random in our life, but there's no random with God. All right, so that's good, Connie. It, there's nothing random with God. God has got this. There's nothing random uh, with God. What else does it mean? The providence of God. Okay, he knows the outcome. And actually, that can give you some rest, some measure of rest, right? Because God knows the outcome. He knows the beginning from the end, the Scripture says. Let me, it may not be your outcome, but that's still providential, as we'll see in just a moment. Let me tell you. Okay. Phyllis, I was fixing to write down the word fear. The providence of God means you don't have to live in fear. Right? If God's got this, whatever your thing in life is, whatever, when you have a trial, when you have a difficulty, which our flesh tends to panic, right? And... But we don't have to spend our life living in panic and fear. If God's got it. And if He doesn't, we're in trouble anyway. And no amount of fear is going to help you. Right? Uh, now, I know it's hard. Look, I know it's hard when you're going through something difficult or physical to say, if you've got this, God, why am I hurting so bad? Uh, probably our question should be, God, I, I believe you got this. Is there something I need to learn? Is there something you want me to learn? Um, so, uh, we don't, but we don't have to live in fear if we have confidence that God has got this. Okay, I want to wrap up with the uh, two passages here. Who ha somebody's got Jeremiah 1.5. Somebody tell me that you got Jeremiah 1 5. Did everybody go for Acts? Marlon, stand up and speak loudly. Jeremiah 1 5. Listen to this. Did y'all hear that? You've heard that before, right? Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. You say, that's Jeremiah. Listen, that principle, you think if he knew Jeremiah, he didn't know you? Before he formed, think about it. You were formed in the mind and heart of God before you were ever formed in the womb of your mother. That's pretty incredible. And, and he says to Jeremiah, I set you apart. You say, yeah, he set him apart to be a prophet. Guess what? He set you apart too. 
That's why you have your unique gifts and abilities. So, uh, look, you are not an accident. The providence of God determined that you would be here. God had decided you would be here. And guess what? God determined that you would be here at this time. In the history, in eternal history, God determined that this would be the time you'd be here. So, so you don't have to live in fear, but this is the time that... I wonder how many of you have felt like at times just throwing the towel in. You ever feel like that? I mean, you're not going to, I don't think. But, but have you ever spiritually felt like, I just, God, it's just... You ever felt like that? Well, this is why you don't. Because it says right there, God, God designed you before you ever came into this world. And by the way, that means this. If somebody told you when you were young, you'll never amount to anything or you're a mistake. I've had people tell, come for counseling. My, my, my dad told me that I was an accident. And you know accident. There's not a soul in this room that's an accident. Because you were designed by God before you ever got here. That's providence. And that's how providence uh, affects you. And you were designed uh, with purpose. So this, look, you don't have to throw in the towel here. The title of my message, son, another message that God gave me while I was away that I'm going to share with you is entitled, Hang In There. Hang in there. There are a lot of people today that have lost hope. There are a lot of Christians that are just struggling. And so I'm going to share that with you Sunday. But, okay, so, so this tells us right there that you were created before you were birthed. Okay? Uh, who has Acts 17.26? Okay, Alan, would you stand up, Alan? Would you mind that and read it real loud for us? Do you get that? Every nation. The people. He says he created the he created the various nations. And then it says, and and their appointed times and destinies. Now, that's both personal and corporate, isn't it? Nations don't live forever. They never have in history. They never have. It's hard for us to imagine that we couldn't exist, but it's possible that we won't exist one day. But it also talks about personal stuff, that God has created all nations and individuals, see, and you have, you have a window. The Bible says of David... That David served God in his generation. Now, he, it had lasting effects, didn't it? We still talk about David. We still learn from David and all of that sort of stuff. But he could only serve the generation he was living in directly. And so can you. 
You and I can't serve the past generation. We can learn from them, but we can't serve them. We can't serve the future generation. We can hopefully leave a legacy for them, but we can't serve them. The only, the only people we can serve are the people right now in order to honor God. That's why church life is so important. And, and, and the ministries that God gives to us individually and corporately. But there's a window uh, Psalm uh, 139, it's the next on our list. We won't look at it uh, tonight. But Psalm 139, I'm just going to close with this. Psalm 139 tells us something absolutely marvelous. And it says, All the days of your life were appointed to you before there ever even was one. Now, What's the question people sometimes ask as a result of that? Anybody? Okay, it can cause people to think, well, I'm not going anywhere right now, and so I'll hold off making decisions that have eternal significance. What's another question? Be honest, it comes to your mind. well we pray because we don't know what their time frame is number two we pray because uh, it might be to the glory of god for them to be healed or for some kind of manifestation that results in their life maybe not to save them but brings glory and honor to him so the window's still there but when god hears Guess what? And we say we prayed and God healed them. Guess what we do? We bring glory to God. But the window is there. Now, that begs another question. This is where I was really begging for. So if God knows all the days of my life, I can walk out in front of the truck and it's, right? <laughs> what do y'all think about that? Well, he's already said the days of my life. No. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but, but really, the question, that's your day then. But what I'm, what, I'm, I'm, what I'm pointing you to is, the fact that God, can we interrupt God's plan? And I believe we can. I believe when a person takes their own life, I believe they have interrupted God's plan. But it, that goes back to the permissive will, right? So God says, here's, Ray, here's how much you got. Here's how much you got. Now, you can be stupid and shorten that. Right? But if, if, you're, if you walk with me, here's, I, I've already marked out the boundaries of your life. So... So it, it doesn't mean you throw caution to the wind and say, I'm, I'm impervious to anything. But it does mean that you understand something. God has set the boundaries of my life. See, that's providence. We say sometimes, look, we say sometimes, well, God, God took them so young. 
It was the window. You say, well, that sounds cold-hearted. No, no, no. Listen, the only way you can think of it as being cold-hearted is if you don't have a clue what waits for that person on the other side. I promise you, as tragic and sad as it is, when we hear about a little child uh, being taken or, or losing their life, and it breaks our hearts. Man, I got those two grand boys, and man, they just the apple of my eye. I can't imagine uh, what would happen if we lost them. But listen to this. I also know something. What awaits on the other side? There's nobody that's been taken out of this world. We grieve, and rightfully so. Jesus grieved when Lazarus died, remember? We grieve. But I promise you, there's no grief in heaven. And no matter who they are, taken, taken out uh, uh, or taken uh, early or younger, we all want to live. I, I think we all want to live way too long, probably because we don't have a clue what's waiting on us. And I promise you, nobody on the other side is going, I was only 35. Or I was 65. Nobody, I had so much more life. I promise you on the other side, nobody's saying that and say, man, I had to endure that stuff for 35 years. I'm so glad I got it. Does that make sense? Let me tell you one other thing about the little ones God helped me with years ago. Let the little children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Um, I thought years ago, I, I've done too many little baby caskets. And I thought, God, I don't get that. I know they're with you. I just, man, it's just tough. Isn't it when you see it, mom and dad struggling? Grandparents struggling? God helped me with that. He helped me as I began to understand what I've been talking to you about. And it's this. We are not created for this life, this world. That's why we become kingdom citizens. Our citizenship is not here. They, uh, remember Hebrews, he talked about uh, what were their eyes on? Their eyes were on a city not built with hands. And here's what the Lord helped me with. He said, Ray, I'm more concerned with kingdom citizens than earthly citizens. Now hang on. That doesn't take our grief away. But when we've really been created, that this is a stopgap. This, this life is like going to the train depot and waiting on the train. Uh, this, this life is the stopgap. And God has ordained that we live in His kingdom with Him. Eternally. So... When, when someone is taken early, a believer, guess what? And by the way, I've shared this with some, I know your grief is off the charts, but your child is now serving God. And he was created to serve God from the very beginning. You were the instrument that God used to birth a servant in a kingdom. Some servants 
he has more he has more for us but we're all intended that's where we're intended to serve most the little one you say sometimes we have to say god birthed them to bring them on to heaven god birthed them to bring them on to heaven because that's what they were really designed for and here's what i believe i believe that we'll get to see him again you know why i believe that when david lost uh his son is that from bathsheba y'all remember that great passage it says david in his grief said he cannot come to me but i will go to him so we grieve but what i'm saying is our lives are still under the providence of god we can i think we can make that uh, permissive choice that um, that you can only call stupid that could short circuit that but god has said here here's the boundaries of your life and live for me in those boundaries i've given you enough time to do everything i created you to do until you come here okay pretty heavy stuff isn't it i hope it made sense um any questions comments before we go okay that toned everything down didn't it <laughs> is there anybody here tonight and uh, you're not sure if you died you'd go to heaven anybody and you say i'd like to i'd like to get that straightened out is there anybody and you'd be courageous enough just say pastor i'd like to i'd like to talk about that with you okay anybody here and you say i know when i die i'm going to heaven i just need a church family i'd like to join ridgecrest anybody okay all right uh the white bucket is by the door if if you will drop a, a 50 or a hundred dollar bill in there as you go out no i'm if you got an extra dollar or two and you want to drop it it goes for benevolence you know i've told you that enough but uh, if you don't have anything with you tonight any cash or anything don't worry about it but if you do uh all of that will go to local benevolence i love you thank you for being here tonight um uh, don't make dumb choices okay <laughs> And I'll see you back here on Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.